Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Fairman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. We're getting back to him in a second because we got big news. And we're also here with intern Erica, who is working the dials. Shane, congrats. Your father for the second time. It's all very exciting. Uh, how you, how you doing? First of all, congrats from everybody in the pod. Let's get a round of applause. Oh, thank you. Mm, thank you so much. <laughs> so uh, the question was, how am I doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's the second time around. I must say it was a lot easier than the first. Like uh, the first time around, I was worried about so many little things that it would stress me out uh, like way too much. Like changing the diaper was freaking me out because I'd never changed a baby's diaper with Lucy, my firstborn. But with this kid, I don't know. The birth was pretty easy. It it came out even quicker than Lucy, and Lucy was a really easy birth. This kid's quieter than than Lucy was, and I don't know. Everything about it is just way like old hat almost. Like that's a, exaggerating, but that's the way it almost feels. And it's way less exciting too. Like when the kid comes out, you're not as like I'm gonna have a heart attack. I'm a dad. I can't believe I'm a dad because I'm already a dad. So I'm not shocked that I'm a dad. How did you come up with the name Betty? Uh, I think Alex was like drunk in Vegas or something and like a pool <laughs> and she was like, let's name him Betty or her Betty, I guess. And I was like, sure. Lu- Lucy and Betty, those are, those are very cute names. Mm-hmm. Very classic. Um, yeah, we're not overthinkers at all like Alex and I when it comes to many things. And with the name Ray, we were just on the couch like two days before she was born. And I was like, oh, she's kind of like a ray of sunshine in our life. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, come on, Betty Ray. She's like, mm. it's like a country name. She might like country. And then she's like, okay, fine. So, but yeah, the, Alex wasn't totally into Ray until she was. So, well, What's Ray? That's Are the middle name. I didn't Ray's know that. middle name, Betty you're, Ray. You're breaking news uh, to us. We didn't know. I didn't know Oh, that. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Like R-A-Y? Yeah, R-A-E. Oh. A- that was Alex's ownership. Instead of R-A-Y, she wanted it to be R-A-E. But is that how you spell a ray of light, though? Or is it R-A-Y? No, it's not R-A-Y. I wanted, like, ray of light, you know. Oh, I see. Interesting. But ray, R-A-E, is the classic country way to to spell it. The only thing I could think of uh, when I saw the, the picture of the newborn, Shane, was uh, how relieved you must be that she has a full head of hair. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know that was a stressful thing. You were witnessing all of our other friends' babies have yeah. this great head of hair, and you're waiting for months, if not years, oh, for I Lucy to, to get hair. <laughs> and then this kid comes out, full head of hair, just like, hey, let's go. Oh, I know. Well, I was very unsure. I thought I saw some hair. I don't like looking directly into that area when it's happening. It's a little freaky. <laughs> but I kind of did for a second. And I was like, it's quarantine time. Alex, like with our first child, Alex got a Brazilian down there. But we're in quarantine. So Alex didn't get the Brazilian. So I'm like, either the kid has hair or it's just really un out of hand down there. But then it turned out the kid had hair. Mm. So it could, yeah. yeah, a little from column A, a little from column B. It was, honestly, yeah, that's the that's the right answer. Yeah, just just so we can maybe keep this part in the podcast. When you say out what, of hand. You can't talk about pubic hair? No, no, no. But out of hand <laughs> it implies a negative connotation. Just say, uh, some people might perceive it that way. So, I like it out of hand. Um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, thank you. There like you sometimes go. when your grass is long, you know, that's, that's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun preference. to frolic. I, I keep my gra- yeah. I keep my grass probably longer than anyone on my uh, my block. Well, it is COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Mow uh, your lawn. What's wrong with a long lawn, sir? <laughs> Loses his job. He's canceled. <laughs> All right. But yeah, well, that's good. Well, congratulations. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you very you much. Congrats. It's very exciting. All right. Um, so another thing I didn't mention off the top is we are having a guest today, guys. We have Haley Elsacer is coming on. She's a fashion designer from Toronto. Uh, we're going to talk uh, NBA fashion. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. The NBA is going in the bubble. Uh, she'll be on in a bit. Uh, but before that, Max, Erica, I mean, we know Shane has a second child. He's got a lot going on. Uh, what have you guys been up to? Anything popping? Um, yeah, the band's doing lots of stuff, but can't really talk about that at the moment. So that's a little tease. Uh, you'll hear about that soon. But um, I have, I, I was in a real TV rut, despite like never watching the most classic iconic shows of all time, like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad or any of those shows. I, I like, I was like, I don't know what I want to watch on TV. It feels like I'm all out of options, which is a silly thing to say, because obviously I have many good options that I need to d- dive into. But I did start watching the show I May Destroy You, which is on Crave. It's uh, an HBO. Pro- have you guys seen it? People love this show. Everybody's been recommending the show. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's uh, I heard it's good. I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's I'm about four episodes in. It's okay. I saw somebody tweet something about the show that's like it's brave. It's like uncharted territories. It's like these really like hyperbolic kind of uh, adjectives. I'm like, come on, it's a television show. But then as I watch, I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of something I haven't really seen on television before. They're kind of diving into like themes of being a young person, like in your 20s, early 30s that like I haven't seen sort of depicted in such like a raw way. But whenever I hear that kind of description, if someone was telling me that, I'd be like, oh, this feels too heavy. Am am I going to watch – this is like the basketball diaries with people doing heroin or something like that. And that's the kind of thing I would normally shy away from because it would just be like too heavy for me. But it's shot in a very modern HBO – I want to say like – this is not it at all, but like girls meets Broad City meets Dave, like just in that kind of like mm-hmm. type of um, videography work. I don't know, like just like modern hip HBO shit. It's It takes place in London. Uh, the cast is really diverse and it's just like stories that uh, yeah, I just haven't really seen on television before. So anyway, I really recommend that. So that would be my recommendation for anybody looking for a television show. <laughs> What's it called? One more time. My, my world's ending. I may destroy you. Oh, okay. Uh, it is so that. good. You you and Alex should watch it together. You, I will. Yeah, it's so, so, so good. Your version to uh, the Basketball Diaries makes me laugh because I picture like a young Max going to see that movie and thinking it's about a kid that goes to basketball camp. And he's this like, today exactly I learned to do a layup. <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed when somebody broke the news to me. Like, yo, dude, that's not really about basketball. It's about like Leonardo DiCaprio, like doing like shooting heroin in a bathroom yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what? It, like, it really did, like hurt my feelings. I was like, oh, so, because I was into love and basketball. Do you, do you guys remember that movie? Of course. Yeah. yeah, that was one of my sister's favorite movies. Yeah. Omar uh, Epps, right? Omar Epps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did they play like a game of like strip tease for like 21 yeah. or something? Like basketball yeah, is Something play? like that. It was Tiff's favorite, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I remember thinking that was a real like suave idea. I'm like, because like I love basketball. Like it'd be cool to have a girlfriend one day and that's the game we will play. And it's never happened, but I like that idea. <laughs> Funny. Uh, Erica, what about you? Not much, you guys. I've been feeling like 
I feel like the first part of quarantine and COVID and everything was very heavy. And like, I, I didn't really want to like explore new TV shows or new music or new anything. I wanted only like familiar, comforting sort of stuff. But yeah, in the last week, I've really sort of been diving into a bunch of new like music that's been on my list and stuff like that. Feeling good, feeling inspired. I'm getting this new hobby called lino printing. Don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's very fun. You, I have not. You take a piece of linoleum, which is this like rubbery stamp kind of thing, and you carve it with a woodcutter, and then you create a stamp. Wow. Oh, cool. It's really fun. <laughs> that's a, that's the a kind of activity when people take up those kinds of activities. I just think of myself, n- no disrespect, I have zero interest in that. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I've never really been a very artistic person, but it's very fun. The end result, very rewarding. And uh, yeah, I'm officially moving home up to my parents. So I've been in Waterloo for a little bit more, hanging out with all my old high school pals. How does it, uh, so you've officially left Toronto or you're leaving Toronto? Yeah. Uh, have you made the move? Yeah, I've like given notice and stuff. So I have like a couple more months on my lease, but I have, um, and I have to get some shit still from Toronto and stuff, but I'm going to be home for the foreseeable future. Do you like that? Is that a sad feeling to leave Toronto or happy? Yeah, like mixed feelings. I would prefer to be in Waterloo during COVID times just because you can't really do the best parts of like being in Toronto, you know, like the nightlife and the this yeah. and that. You can't really all the restaurants and stuff still kind of sketchy, but yeah, it'll be good. I'll save some money. Maybe now one day I'll actually be able to buy a home. So Mm. I Mm. guess, yeah, that's a silver lining. Yeah. If you need any advice, we can, we can coach it. Yeah. You guys, between you guys, there's like 17 homes or something between the three of you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Mike, what Mikey, what do you got? What have you been doing? Uh, not much. I've actually been busy with, uh, with work. Work's been super busy, which is, a good thing if we all want to stay employed for now. Uh, uh, so it feels like things are sort of like churning back to a, a normalcy as far as like, at least in our industry and the economy. So I've just been super busy with that, hanging with the kid. Uh, I started watching this science fiction uh, TV show called Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. And it's this really interesting, like thought provoking uh, sort of slow moving science fiction. It's like eight episodes and it's all about like this family that lives in this fictional Ohio town and it jumps around time and they sort of live on top of where there's this experimental sort of like, sort of like, um, um, thing called the loop that messes with time and space. Anyway, long story long is I was like, I thought it might be like eventually uplifting, but after eight episodes, like it's, it it was really sort of like affecting in the most depressing way. And I was like, I kind of needed something else from the eight Mm. hours that I invested in this Mm -hmm. thing over the last (laughs) two weeks. Cause I can only watch an episode here or there. And I was like, okay, it will get to a a good place. So I'll feel good about stuff, you know? And it was like every like story in this anthology was depressing as fuck. And so like after the last episode aired, I just kind of sat there like, I can't stop thinking about this family and I'm just so like sad. Uh, so I do not recommend it, uh, but it's very, very well done. And the last episode was actually directed by Jodie Foster, which shocked me. So the, the, oh, the, wow. the, the finale ends and it says directed by Jodie Foster. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that's what I've been up to. Just working, uh, hanging out with Winona, brought her for some ice cream today. And uh, Is that her first cone, by the way? Her first oh, ice cream yeah. cone? yeah, I saw that. 
No, Wait, she like uh, that was a misleading caption. Then, like <laughs> it's it was it was baby's first time at Purple Pony, which is like a a, a, oh, a staple oh, in Ancaster. I've never been. If Purple I Pony. went there, I could have said first time. <laughs> it's uh, a, it's like a classic uh, spot here in, 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 in Hamilton. Because that Ancaster. made me feel so guilty. I was like, geez, Winona's like two when she's never had ice cream. Lou had it when she was like four months old. <laughs> no, Winona she is had a pint a, a week habit. She, <laughs> no, wins like a snacker, man. Like sometimes just to kill. Oh, time. Okay. during the day we'll take a little trip around to to get some timbits and she knows when i'm like i'm like maybe we'll go get a donut and she'll get a big smile and she'll be like <laughs> you know does all the the moves and but everything. you didn't know your caption would make people think that oh this is winnie's first time having ice cream it wasn't my caption it was danica's caption so i was like i no. i just i just reposted but uh because to me it was so apparent that it was her first time at the purple pony i didn't think people would misconstrue it was her first time eating ice cream maybe it was all misleading right. man i don't know uh, shit. But now you guys know the deal with, with my kid, you know? It's her first time at the Purple Pony, not eating ice cream. Wow. She eats it uh, all the time. <laughs> Loves it. Do we do we have a Haley in the house? We, we have had a Haley just join. If that's Haley, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 get into it. We are super excited to have Haley Elsacer. She is a fashion designer in Toronto. Her designs have been worn by Katy Perry, Alessia Cara, and Joe Jonas. She wrote a deep dive on NBA fashion on her website, HaleyElsacer.com, called why NBA players are the new style icons. Of course, the NBA has gone into the bubble in prep for the resumption of the NBA season. In the bubble, are guys going to be able to walk in the tunnel? Are they maybe going to show off their outfits? How many outfits can you get in and out of Disneyland? Can they all fit in the hotel rooms? We're going to talk about all that. Hi, hi, hi. How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Good. We have Erica. Uh, Shane's Hi. got the mustache. You know me. And Mike is the other guy. So Cool. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah, I heard the intro. I think the number one celebrity that has worn my stuff is definitely Max. So that was thank hey. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank necessity you. Okay, to mention. Well, I recognize your shirt. And I think that's because isn't that the jacket you have, Max? With that sh- print of the that's shirt. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's ex- it all makes sense mm. now. Good eye, Erica. Yeah. I actually have a question because we have like an esteemed fashion designer on the podcast and we can see each other because we're on Zoom. Were you guys a little bit self-conscious about what you're going to wear to this because you knew she was going to see this? <laughs> yeah, very self-conscious in the, the gray hoodie. <laughs> no, I kind of of the mind. It's like unless it's like showtime, people in fashion and like also in hair and makeup can kind of like go the other way and not give one fuck. You know what I mean? Like they like, you know how it's like when you're not like getting ready for a photo shoot, you're just like dressed like you just woke up in the morning kind of thing. So you know how sometimes it happens? So that's yeah. the way I treated this thing. Cause I'm like, ah, I'm yeah. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you see me on a daily basis, I either look like I've just woken up out of bed or I'm like going to an event. There's not really an in-between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd much rather be very casual. So that, that rings true for sure. I was just going to ask if you ever try to overthink the casual look, like you don't care look. Um, I definitely don't think I overthink it, but I definitely lean into that because I think it's funny to like kind of be the anti-fashion sometimes. So definitely I bought some like men's camo cargo pants as a joke, but then I ended up really liking them and just wearing like dumb t-shirts and stuff. But (laughs) I think for me, I just love not taking fashion too seriously. So I think that kind of makes sense for that. Haley, actually I have a very important question for you. I'm actually going on a camping trip. And I needed to get some supplies. 
and I bought Tevas, but then I wore them. And I'm like, are Tevas actually cool? Because I have this memory of like hipster boys wearing like Tevas with socks, like on Queen Street West or something like that. Like, am I onto something? And what is a Teva? I think you're onto something, yes. It's, <laughs> it's a sandal. It's kind of like a, a typical dad sandal from the 90s that they used to wear with socks. They have like Velcro. Uh, yeah, I, I know those. I have Tevas. Yeah. I love them. I think they're like nice and casual and comfy. I think sometimes comfort is like the most fashionable thing ever so i think as long mm. as you feel good you look good i like it all right that wasn't the real interview mike will actually go <laughs> in the real interview but we're keeping all of this by the way <laughs> oh this is all staying in for sure um first i wanted to ask like uh about your sort of what was the impetus to write your article about the nba sort of being the most fashionable league uh, are you a big hoops fan uh, have you always been yeah so i played basketball i don't really anymore because um, it's not part of my world, but I played basketball when I was 10 years old, um, into high school in like a somewhat serious way. So I've, I've always been a very sporty kid, I would say, but also into fashion at the same time, like sporty spice was my favorite spice girl. So that probably personifies who I was at that time. My favorite um, too. Yeah. <laughs> she got the best voice in the band. Yeah. So, um, I was always definitely basketball was my sport and I remember, um, being very into the sneakers for sure. So I only a couple years ago got this pair of sneakers I was obsessed with. Um, they're called the Uptempos. They have like the air on the side of them. Scotty Pippen used to wear them. Like I just remember mm. things from my childhood like that, that really stayed like with me. Like air written out on them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, like, the oh, big I just looked it up. Like the big bubble letters. Yeah. Those shoes, I remember someone on my basketball team when I was a kid had them and I was so jealous or probably an older kid or something. And finally, I bought them for myself a couple years ago when I was in New York. So, yeah, basketball has always been something that has influenced my fashion. Personally, I've been like always like kind of sport meets something else, I guess. So, um, I don't know. I did, and growing up, I loved Dennis Rodman. I thought he was insane and really cool. So it was just something that was always on my radar. And I think in the last... Hey, Haley, about Dennis yeah. Rodman... Yeah. I've only because the the Michael Jordan doc, uh, Last Dance, has consumed everybody, and then everybody on my Twitter and like uh, friends are like Dennis Rodman is so fucking hot. Oh my god, that guy was the babyliest guy. And then back in the nineties, I never thought of him that way. I just thought he was like the crazy man with the crazy hair who got all the rebounds. Back yeah. in the nineties, when you were a kid, were you like that guy's so hot, or is he only hot? No. By today's hipster standards, or not hipster? I, wrong word, I still don't think he's attractive. Standards. I think he's just cool, or like he had cool mm. fashion. I think he like pushed boundaries in a huge way, especially wearing dresses and different things. Mm. And he was really into Pearl Jam, so I think that inspired his like rock and roll <laughs> image. But I actually used to have a crush on Scottie Pippen in like mm-hmm. grade two or three or something. I don't know. And he, looking back now, I don't. He's kind of strange looking, but um, I thought he was like the hottest guy ever. I thought he looked better than I remembered. I think his looks are kind of underrated because I always thought, yeah, he's a strange looking, unconventional dude. <laughs> and then I went back and watched it and I thought both Dennis and Scotty looked so much better than I re- had remembered. Yeah, I have the no reverse with reaction with Scotty Pippen. Definitely. <laughs> I feel like he looks like an alien now. Dennis, right. I just think is cool, but I don't, he's, I don't know. I Did think Dennis he- inspire you to dye your hair? Me personally, no, but I did hair. Dennis's like, um, he had leopard one time. I did that on my brother's hair a couple years ago. <laughs> mm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think what, what attracts people to Dennis is honestly just his authenticity. Like he's so uniquely himself and that's extremely attractive. There was like, there's sort of like, um, 
he can't help but be himself. There's no facade mm-hmm. with Dennis Rodman. He's just, he is who he is. What you're getting is an authentic experience. You know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. it doesn't even feel calculated. And I think that is attractive to people. So then he becomes attractive by his very nature, whether or not, you know, mm-hmm. he's conventionally aesthetically attractive with his face mm-hmm. or whatever it is you're talking about. I don't know if you guys can see, but I have a Dennis Rodman Barbie on my mantle over there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like he's obviously problematic sometimes and he is he gets kind of weirder with age and um mm-hmm. but he was definitely unapologetically himself when he was younger and I think that's super cool. I think that's admirable and I think that inspired a lot of I feel like we wouldn't have seen Serge Ibaka wearing a skirt last summer without Dennis Rodman wearing the wedding dress and getting married to himself back in the <laughs> day. So, <laughs> Who do you think had the biggest influence on NBA fashion, Allen Iverson? Well, I think outside of NBA fashion is probably Michael Jordan, just because of like mm. that is such, still such a huge brand. But probably Allen Iverson because he was such a like a 182 I think basketball was pretty wholesome before he came around, sort of. It was more, like, just about the game. And he came in and had, like, cornrows and tattoos and just had more of, like, um, an edge to him. So I think that really um, got that kind of fashion, in, more of, like, a hip-hop fashion into basketball. And I know that definitely the the dress code was partially inspired by him. I know it happened after that fight. But it was also, I think that was a huge part of it. And so does he, is that he kind of inspired um, the reaction to go the other way, basically. Yeah, no one really had two tattoos before that. Eh? It was just like maybe one or two. No one had the the sleeves. Now it's hard pressed to find someone without tattoos. A hundred percent. Yeah, like Dennis mm-hmm. Rodman has a few had a few like placements on him, but it was no one as heavily tattooed. And that sticks out to me uh, more than Iverson, I would say. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, the dress code, which was uh, spurred by the the malice at the palace, like that big fight between the Pacers and the Pistons. Um, And at the time, it was controversial because even in the moment, it felt very much like sort of the idea of curbing this young urban fashion and what Allen was doing, these other guys wearing on the bench and trying to put guys in suits, which is kind of, you know, the NHL has been doing that for decades uh, to maybe make them more appealing to middle America, white uh, consumers, all of that stuff. What's amazing about it is, although everyone you know, complained at first and was like, this is a weird sort of like, you know, attempt to get us to conform to someone's idea of how we should dress. It's like players actually ended up owning it in a way that evolved into the modern NBA and the way that guys now do the tunnel walk and that they've sort of adopted these fashions and found ways to sort of make it personal and make it their own and and sort of like take it back in, in like a way that maybe wasn't super apparent when it first happened and everybody was kind of pissed off about it. Yeah, I think that's really cool because they did it as a means of control, but it kind of had the opposite reaction where it just forced it, forced everyone to realize their own individuality and like yeah. really push that to the extreme. So it kind of had the opposite reaction, but it ended up being a really good thing for the NBA anyway. So it was like a win-win situation. Hey, Haley. So I, like I know Alan Iverson gets credit for like making the player like the, in, the individual and, you know, not being so corporate. But then his style of fashion – was sort of like harkens back to sort of that like, uh, you know, sort of very like hip hop, like of that moment, um, you know, with the cornrows and the tattoos. But now the fashion feels very highbrow and very mm-hmm. extreme and out there. And I actually would guess that Kanye has something to do with that. Like just like the shift in in culture that would have people dressing like in tight pants and, and weird shirts and colorful designs that that does not look anything like the aesthetic that Allen Iverson wore. Like, w- would you say 
Kanye had some influence or, or, or am I missing somebody else? Because I, cause all the things that like Russell Westbrook or James Harden wears seems a lot more Kanye West than it does Allen Iverson. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I think the, the suits and the imposed dress code was a reaction to a couple different things, including what happened with run our tests, but also Allen Iverson's kind of style and trying to go against that. But I think when you introduce the suits, dudes got more used to wearing suits all the time, so they were more familiar with different cuts, and that would probably lead to a little bit of exploration in that realm, but nothing too out of control. And then definitely, I don't know if Kanye was the only person, but Kanye's been doing crazy fashion in the last decade or so, and that would have definitely had an input. Because I feel like music and basketball and sports in general, it's all kind of like um, the fashion kind of mixes and mingles together. It's something that I feel there's always some sort of connection. So I think definitely he would have had an impact for sure. Obviously we can't say with certainty, but I think I would be very confident in that fact for sure. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about the, uh, the bubble, like, how do you think that's going to work as far as NBA fashion? Do you think that, uh, this is sort of like basically there's nothing else to watch as far as like live or original content that hasn't been produced months ago. So it's like, I think there'll, there'll be more of a spotlight on these guys than ever before. Uh, are you sort of excited to see what guys cook up? Uh, do you think that they'll be able to in that environment or do you think they're just going to have to sort of roll with sweats? Cause there's not a lot going in and out. I think they'll definitely be able to, I, it just depends on the ability of designers to get them clothing. Cause obviously NBA players are super tall. They're bigger than sample size. So a lot of their stuff that they wear would be custom by brands. And those brands might not be really operating at usual capacity right now. So I'm interested to see if they're going to be all of a sudden sporting like more independent brands or more like DIY stuff. Um, or if it's going to be kind of like amped up because everyone's kind of cooped up at home. Like for me, I take any experience to, um, like, if I'm going to the grocery store, I tend to dress up a bit more. If it's, like, something out of the norm right now, um, maybe they're going to really lean to, into it because I feel like it's been it's been a time. That everyone's been <laughs> kind of, like, sitting around at home, and they're probably going to want to, like, go OTT, I'm hoping. <laughs> Who are you expecting to be the breakout person uh, of this bubble world in terms oh of style? Serge Ibaka? Well, I think that he'll be definitely amazing i would love to see someone that usually has horrible style like steph curry to like to <laughs> shots fired sorry to oh, take this time to reflect wow max is appalled that you just said steph has horrible well, okay, fashion let's get i was gonna that. ask is there such thing as bad style these days there because isn't. it seems like everything goes no i don't think like i'm all about like individuality and really expressing yourself and that kind of thing um but i don't know something about him just rubs me the wrong way i feel like if you have <laughs> Every designer at your fingertips and you still wear such like boring stuff. Like, come on. He can just put a bit more effort into it. Hey, listen, if he wants to wear an Under Armour golf shirt around, then he should, you know, let let the man be comfortable. Hey, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, spoil anything here, but uh, we put out um, a tie-dye Arkell shirt that was available to our Spotify uh, fans. And then Uh I just got a screen grab that Nick Nurse bought the shirt. He sent me the screen grab. He just bought it. And so then we tracked down like, okay, which is the the shirt that's going to the bubble in Orlando? So we have the tracking number and uh, we might see that on Instagram. That would be pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Nice. You know what? And they also relaxed the 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 fashion for coaches. Like coaches have always had to wear like a, a blazer. I don't know if you'll be able to wear your tie dye max on the sideline when he's coaching mm. in a playoff game. But I think got, the coaches are going to be allowed to wear sweats and like uh, polo shirts. Interesting. Nice. Or like, like I feel like we will be basketball. seeing 
I feel like we'll we'll be seeing more tie dye. I think that's like a big trend right now with so much, <laughs> so many people at home doing like DIY, and I feel like that will catch on in some way, hopefully. So Haley, um, one of the things that's interesting about the bubble that we're just learning right now is that the players are like documenting their experience, and you saw J.R. Smith the other night, like in his hotel room, going like, "I don't got any sheets." Like, what's going on here? Kind of making jokes. Like, Rajon Rondo compared his hotel room, which I thought looked pretty nice, to a Motel 8. He was like, am I staying in some Motel 8? I'm like – and some network on Twitter tweeted. He's like, I wish I could be so rich that I think this looks like a Motel 8. That's my goal in life, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and uh, what are you looking forward to? What sort of uh, sort of antics do you think we're going to see uh, when it comes to these guys in the bubble? I feel like it might be like summer camp kind of antics. Like when you get <laughs> a whole bunch of people in one little zone – that they're not used to um, and they might be kind of bored. I feel like some like pranks or something might be happening. Hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. What are your thoughts on stylish masks like COVID masks? Is that mm. a cool thing or no? Don't even try it. Oh, I think it's cool for me. I have masks and they've been selling really well. So for me, it's super cool because <laughs> it's been really amazing. The support that I've been giving, but obviously I think masks have been part of a sh- streetwear more so in like Japan for the last few years. And they obviously, have amazing streetwear. So I think I think you're onto something. Maybe that will be a new thing that we're seeing um, on the players and they're like matching to their outfits or something like that. I think obviously safety is always cool and fashionable. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. <laughs> if you could design for um, any NBA player, you know, if the, the, the one person you would want to come to you and say, Haley, I need something. It's game one of the NBA finals. I want to make a splash. What player would you want that to be? Um, probably like PJ Tucker. Wow, <laughs> wow. he's known for, no, he's a stylish dude. He's known <laughs> yeah, for his why shoes. Is that? You mentioned him I on your Instagram. He's pretty stylish. I just feel like I, I don't know. I just feel like he's. What? I don't know. That's so surprising. <laughs> um, or I, just because he's not a marquee player, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just think he's cool. Like I just remember I've seen pictures of him holding his shoes like a purse, and I just think that's yeah. pretty cool. It's like. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, obviously, like originally when you said that, I was kind of thinking of like Muggsy Bogues. Is that would just be really funny? But he <laughs> obviously doesn't play anymore. Um, I think it would just be funny to do someone that's a little bit different. Maybe I should do something for Steph Curry so he can pump up his mm-hmm. style game. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Hey, who, who's your favorite uh, player in the league? Or like, yeah, like who who are you a fan of, or who interests you the most? Um, obviously, I love the Raptors. You know, but. I would say, oh my God, I don't know. That's too hard to say. I think I love Serge Ibaka because I just, I feel like I'm like less into the skill and more into the individual, you know? Mm, so like mm-hmm. I'm into like their their heart and their soul more. So <laughs> that's hard to say. Maybe Serge Ibaka. <laughs> did, you see, uh, did you see that clip? Serge is doing like a brand partnership with some uh, department store and he ended up in trying to dress OG Ananobi. And they end up getting into this thing, and OG claims that he got Surge into scarfs. Yes, I've that was like that. one of the that. best clips. Like I, I don't know when it got posted. It was like late at night one night, and I was just sitting in bed with my headphones on, on my phone, and I was just laughing out loud. And I ended up saying to my wife Danica, "I was like, I was like, you need to watch this. It is so damn funny." Uh, do you think Surge is as stylish as they they position him to be? They've sort of claimed he's a style icon. Are, are you on oh, board? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's more of like a high fashion dude, but like. He always just looks, like, sleek and nice. He looks like a high-fashion model. 
Right. Exactly. I, I was about to say, obviously, he's, like, really handsome, so that <laughs> helps. Um, just pull the whole look together. But, yeah, I think he always, like, looks really put together. He's not the most adventurous, obviously. Uh, well, other than that ginormous scarf. But, <laughs> that was um, awesome. <laughs> or, like, he wore a skirt last summer to some fashion show or something. Um, but, yeah, I just think he's really cool. Hmm. Who do you think has the coolest shoe out right now in terms of fashion? Mine was... I, always Iverson's question, and then I loved uh, back when I was in grade five the Ewings. That he had the mm. uh, Patrick Ewing had the shoe with the purple suede. It was like my favorite shoe of all time. Oh, do you remember Latrell Sprewell had like shoes with rims that spun? Whoa, I do uh, not vaguely, remember. Wow. Vaguely, yeah. I don't know if they ever were for sale. I it's like it's kind of like a fever dream memory, but I remember he had um, sh- shoes that had like a spinning rim in them. I remember Shaq had a shoe that was like 400 bucks that you needed an attachment to like pump them up. <laughs> that was crazy. There's been some I crazy stuff. Though. I got to go a couple years ago. I got to go to like the Nike headquarters and I got to see all the different iterations of the Jordans. That was really, really awesome. But yeah, I think having like a rim and a sneaker is really cool personally. Um, I'm looking online right now. Ballislife.com has an article called The History of the Latrell Sprewell Supreme Spinner Shoes. And uh, they were made by Data. Uh, date, uh, like oh, D- yeah, yeah. D-A-D-A. D-A-T-A. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole article online. We'll, we'll link to that um, uh, on, on our socials because that looks very interesting. Oh, oh, I don't remember these, though. Wow. Huh. I have weird memories. I don't know. <laughs> Haley, I'm interested. You, you've designed for Max uh, and Arkells on stage. Uh, is, is Max easy to work with or is he a diva? No, he's super nice. He's awesome. <laughs> oh, I wanted something more juicy than that. What's the worst thing about Max's style? <laughs> <laughs> I think that he doesn't wear enough color. Wow. Mm. But I uh, do know, like, you have a fringe jacket, right, that you always yeah. wear? Yeah, I think yeah. that's really cool, and I'm pretty sure that um, Russell Westbrook has, a, like, a fringe jacket that he's worn in the past, so... And I'm pretty sure it was after you, so maybe you are an icon <laughs> that's inspiring mm. the NBA. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like most people can wear more color, and I know that you wear a lot of black and like neutral tones, so I feel like you could wear more color. Yeah, we're working on that. Yeah, we we uh, do get colorful sometimes, but but not to your degree. But maybe I'm dying my yeah, hair. Yeah, my next. degree is kind yeah. of obscene. So. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think Max could pull off a dye job, like if he went mm. blonde or pink? Or- yes, totally. This, this I think thing? like bleach. <laughs> Bleach blonde would be really cool. I think, obviously, I'm partial to pink, but I think, like, the kind of curly, tossly hair would look good blonde for sure. I think so, too. It's like early 2000s Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or late 90s Timberlake, I guess. JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. (laughs) Home improvement action, yeah. Yeah. Well, Haley, before we let you go, um, how has it been during quarantine with your shop and your work? Like, what's, what's the flow like? Um, the flow has been all over the place, honestly. Mm. It's been like kind of a day-to-day thing where I'm just learning as I go and adjusting. Um, but it's actually been really awesome. I think this has been a time where people have wanted to be more conscious about supporting Canadian brands. So that has been really good. Like the support has been awesome. I've been able to collaborate with um, like a charity to do some mass for charity and raise money for charity, which has been really cool. So I feel like it's just been a nice time to take a breather and reevaluate and re- reassess like what I'm doing and what I want to be doing and um, working with my community, I guess. So yeah, it's been, 
It's been a little battle, but it's been a good one, I would say. How do people get those charity masks? Um, so the charity masks are with this... I have one right here, actually, coincidentally. It's for, um, like, a youth homelessness and stuff. It's mm. called Stella's mm-hmm. Place. So you can just Google Stella's Place and buy one of these masks. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Oh, nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Haley. Did, did you guys have any more questions for Haley before we, we let her go? Yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to have to hit you up when uh, when we see how the players are rolling in for game one. And then, yeah. Yeah, and then we some can assessments. Have some, uh, yeah, real-time uh, up, updates from, from you. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right, thank you so much to Haley for coming on and talking NBA and fashion. Gang, we're going to get to some topics. We're going to start with TikTok. Uh, I guess just in general, you know, this has kind of become a big story because uh, Trump had a... uh, a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, a lot of people did not show up. I think it was 6,000 total at like a 19,000 people arena. It could be a myriad of reasons why people didn't show up, but essentially they spent weeks bragging that they'd sold millions. They had millions of people on waiting lists. They built an outside stage for overflow uh, that they were taking down before he even started. Him and Pence were planning to do like a pre-speech outside, kind of like a Jurassic Park sort of setup, and then move into the arena. All of this stuff, they started to realize the numbers weren't there. The reason this became a massive story, other than sort of the the embarrassing uh, look for Trump, is because um, K-pop fans and ultimately TikTokers took credit for basically uh, uh, flooding the ticket request market. So it was kind of this this eye-opening um, display of power by Generation Z using a platform like TikTok to mobilize and affect the outcome of this sort of presidential rally, which was very, very fascinating. So that sort of brings us to now and sort of the power of that that app and conversations that have been starting because this app was obviously developed uh, on foreign soil. Uh, and so Trump is sort of, there's been this movement that he might ban TikTok uh, for privacy reasons and sort of like security reasons, because we don't know what kind of information we're sending over there for the people that make this app, for the, 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 the way that it operates. We don't know anything really about it. It's just people use it. Um, but one might surmise that Trump is taking on TikTok because he's also just embarrassed about this outcome in Tulsa. And it's a lot of power for Generation Z in the way that they can mobilize for something like maybe even election or future elections. So guys, the, the question is, do you trust apps in general? We've talked about this in the pod in the past, uh, sort of our comfort level of sort of like uh, whether it was the aging face app or anything like that. And then I guess, secondly, what we think of this this TikTok conversation and whether it is a dangerous app uh, and how it's going to unfold. Maxi, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I find uh, TikTok is yet another example of something I kind of dismissed off the bat and, and I didn't because I didn't quite understand it. I just thought it was like a, an app for people dancing around. But of course, like any sort of idea that has um, has something to it, it's evolved and people have used it for like various things. So, because, so obviously there's still a big component of dancing on TikTok, but it has this like political bent to it. There's a, like, there's a huge like comedy uh, corner to it. And I've just really like changed my tune, I think, in the last like six months. Uh, Lauren around the house, she's on TikTok all day long, mostly on her Discover page, which is just an opportunity, which is just an algorithm that feeds stuff to her that she's interested in. And she's just like entertained in a way that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram just like 
do not do for her. And so I've been, and, and Lauren's got good taste. And um, so I've just been sort of like impressed by like how it's evolved and, and it's much greater than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, when it comes to the trusting of the apps, it's, it's such a good question because I feel like I've resigned to this idea that uh, all these apps have all of our information. And unless they like reveal my like search history or, or something like that, like mm-hmm. then I think I'm kind of okay with it. Like what, what do I, I guess my question for you guys is like, what would be the thing that would make you go, Okay, I'm not going to use it because right now the Chinese government owning TikTok isn't wouldn't be enough reason for me to say, oh fuck it, I'm not doing it because I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that the uh, any government can access this information, any corporation can probably buy this information if they want to. It, like the line that would cross for me is if like people's like personal like bank statements go out or mm-hmm. yeah, people's search histories go out or whatever because that's the stuff that yeah. feels truly private. Yeah, I'm not worried about bank statements really it would be if it was like if there was a guarantee that if i downloaded this a nude picture of me would be released i'd be like no because i don't want anyone <laughs> seeing that yeah well, that, that's the kind of thing mm-hmm. like that that is your grass has a, a, been a, growing quite long during covid <laughs> well it's just i'm not a hockey player right i've never showered with guys no one's i'm not used even like my wife seeing my penis i'm scared of you know i like it dark unless it's erect of course but you know what i mean <laughs> Why would I have flaccid pictures of my penis on my phone? I don't know. I'm just creating a scenario where I wouldn't want it. What about your search history, Shane? Would you Would you be like... Oh, that I wouldn't want. Yeah. You wouldn't want it. Yeah. Yeah. How to make penis bigger. <laughs> Best light to photograph flaccid penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so you're in the same camp though. So basically, it's like any any corporation or government you're just assuming has your information. You're relatively okay with it because you get enough enjoyment out of the app. But it, it will cross the line if they yeah reveal like personal stuff like that. That was what you're saying. Yeah, anything that would humiliate me, like my mm. bank statement. I guess maybe it could be humiliating, but I'm not. I don't really covet money or anything like that. Mm. So yeah. Uh, Mike, what about yeah, you? I don't want to be embarrassed. Are you, are you like, where do you, because you're more of a private guy, I feel like, but you, yeah. you can't get off Twitter. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy the, the Twitter. Uh, you know, it's like a personalized newsfeed, man. But I, I will say that like, I don't know, like I, I lean w- with what you guys are saying in the sense that like, you know, you're one of a billion people on an app. It's like, what, like, why, what are they even interested in? What are they going to, you know, it's like, if someone were to deep dive into like my phone, what are they going to find? They're not going to find anything that's like beyond the regular sort of, you know, embarrassing like stuff. It's not like there's anything criminal going on. That being said, um, I think the concern, which is technology in general is like one of the things that's been happening is like with the, the protests, you know, um, law enforcement can go through and they can use a device that basically like gets phone IDs and then they can trace it back to when these people go back to their homes and then they can target them. Now that's just sort of an example of, uh, a way that they can use technology and person like personalized technology to sort of find you afterward. And then I guess you could extrapolate that and say, if they can get into your phone through an app, they can maybe find things that could be damning that they could use to either pin you on something or, you know, if you wanted to get super paranoid or whatever about like um, a controlling state, I guess that's the thing. But we're also intertwined with the grid and with the internet and technology. It's like we all have a million chain link passwords for our Googles and all of this stuff. It's like at this point, we're kind of in it unless you want to sort of live yeah. off the grid. Well, text messages, that would be something too because things can exactly. be taken... Like if my mom texts me something and I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill you, mom. And then that in text, 
makes me seem a lot worse than I actually am. You know, 100%. I was kidding. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or even political leanings. If like, you know, we started, if, if things got very totalitarian and they wanted to say, oh, like we see that you posted or you're having this conversation about your distaste for a Trump administration. Mm-hmm. You could, there's ways that you could be targeted if things went a certain way. And I think that's the overall sort of argument of paranoia. Now, how this pertains to the Chinese government having a bunch of people in North America's uh, and Europe's like personal information or access into their phones. Like if there's a back door, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, like for us, like we're just numbers. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but if there was somebody that they wanted to target for any reason, let's say you're Daryl Morey and you say, you know, I, you speak out in favor of Hong Kong and you happen to have TikTok. I don't think he has a TikTok, but mm. if, if he did and they had somehow a back door into his phone, they could fuck with him because he's a prominent person that spoke out against them. That's right. It seems what's like valuable mm. to most of these companies it isn't so much like individual access to your individual phone or your individual thing. It's trends in data, right? That they sell to other companies or advertisers or whatever. And even probably the Chinese government, probably what's more valuable to them is just like these trends of what North Americans do and where they visit and things like that. So, and because of that, like I've never really been worried either because I don't, I've never known someone to be personally like attacked by the Chinese government from their phone or anything like that. You know what I mean? I just feel like I'm a drop. Because you're young, though. Well, that's the other thing. I've grown up with it. I've never really like known. No, but I mean, in 10 years, when you have friends who are running for prime minister and whatnot, they're the ones that are going to be attacked, right? Right now, it's just mining your data. It's just find out if you like Coca-Cola. And you always think, too, like even just in the cancel culture landscape, like, I mean, like, Justin Trudeau didn't have Facebook when he was 10, but all my friends did. You know what I mean? So there's like a trail of your life. But he had it in college, right? And then he did all the brown face stuff. And then it comes out when he's important. It doesn't come out when he's not yeah, important. But just having like a, yeah, so that's like a floor. longer trail of online activity is always just kind of a, I guess, more hazardous. But at the same time, we're used to it, right? Like I'm super used to it. So I just feel like I'm like a drop in the ocean at this point. Like I'm not worried about being victimized by any government or having my data stolen or breached. It just seems so unrealistic. And watch now I'm going to get now I'm going to get hacked tomorrow, probably (laughs) just because I said that. But what's your embarrassment level for like nudes? being? Oh, my God. Humiliating. Like 11 out of 10. I would never want that. Also, like the thing that scares me always is like hacking into the camera when you don't know the camera's on or shit or even on your laptop Mm. like i always have that shit covered so if i ever found out that yeah like an app was like completely guilty of doing that to their users that would probably be like the ending of me using said app but yeah did you guys read the article i sent about the wayfair scandal that's happening right now yeah Yeah. i did yeah so what's interesting about that is that basically wayfair the um what do they make? They make just like furniture, home furniture basically. And stuff, yeah. All furniture. online, though. They, they've been accused of child trafficking. And basically, uh, this kind of thing would normally just stay on Reddit message boards for like conspiracy theories. But because Gen Z, uh, fi- I think the way Lauren was explaining, like are very sort of skeptical of mainstream media and they, they grew up with like a distrust of the world to a degree. Uh, they get a lot of their information from like YouTubers and just in a very fragmented world. They've never really lived in a in a monoculture world that we grew up with, which is like, oh, there's like three news channels and two sports channels or whatever. These uh, and they're also very good with technology. So basically, they find these interesting, weird stories that could be true, and then because they're so good at editing stuff on apps because they grew up with iPads in their hand, they can construct 
this really interesting narrative that is consumable in like a one minute video post that's way more entertaining than reading like a five paragraph Reddit post. I just think like the way the information is passed around right now is much, much different. And it's with a, with a, um, with a, uh, a group that really prides themselves on being activists, right? Like I think Gen Z's feel like let down by millennials. Have you guys noticed it? Like you're feeling, beginning to feel old now where you're like, oh, like we're the old guys that fucked up. Like um, I think half of TikTok is just Gen Z's making fun of millennials. I saw like one of them saying like the only thing millennials ever did was like give us Mumford and Sons and craft breweries. Like what the fuck are you useful for? Which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of funny and kind of true uh, to a degree. And so I, I find that um, intersection of kids that are growing up in this very kind of chaotic world and also very good with technology and also have like a sense of humor that is like, it's like post comedy or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like they are very like, I, like the, I saw a bunch of TikToks making fun of YouTubers. Isn't that weird? It's just yeah. like, it's like they have, they have a whole thing. It was like, Oh, like this is like what a YouTuber does. And you're know, like the, the funny, like, like the bullshit mannerisms, jump edits. the jump yeah. edits that go, Ooh, Oh, is this thing on? Oh, 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 hi. Oh, it didn't do my hair today. Like the stupid jump edits. TikTokers just make fun of that. It's like they are they have like evolved from millennials in a very interesting way. So yeah, did you guys th- read the Wayfair thing and do you believe any of it? Yes. I don't know. I see I don't know how much a big chest is worth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like the the wooden, like the stand up chest, not, not that. The names are weird. Uh, well, apparently they they went. It to, depends they, on the craftsmanship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know enough about value on household items. But it's suspicious that they're if it is indeed true that all these items are named like people's names. That's a little and, odd and unusual and then, names too, not like Curtis mm-hmm. or something. And on the detail that I thought was interesting is that like you'd have a pillow that is labeled at forty nine something, and then they would put they would customize it with a name, and it would jump to like. from $49. And I thought it was interesting because at the end of the article, they posited that, you know, you know, the theory is that they're basically sending children in these cabinets to people. That's what you're ordering for your 13 K. Now the logistics of that seem wild. So the kids actually waiting behind the cabinet. It's not even like a code for like, oh, this isn't really the cabinet. The kids actually in there. You know what? How would that work for a pillow? Maybe that's maybe that's uh, maybe I've uh, assumed a little bit too much there, and my mind got a little ahead of me. I have a very active imagination. (laughs) I was like, that's where my mind went intense. Well, at first, I think everyone's does, but then when it's about pillows Um, and other items, it's like those people would have to be so small. At the well, children tend to be small. At the end yeah. of the, you have a uh, at the end of the, or near the end of their call, they sort of suggested that uh, it, it's a money laundering scheme because it is weird mm. that you would put something in and then it would jump, you know, twelve thousand yes, dollars. Something weird's going on. There was all these comments on the article being like, "I ordered a chest from Wayfair. It was five hundred dollars, and I accidentally got sent three, and they didn't, they didn't ask me to send it back." and whatever or like three little girls well yeah. i don't know <laughs> and then like no. or I, I i ordered something i got sent the wrong thing and they just like refunded me double the price or something like they're just kind of throwing money around is what it seems and it's very disorganized mm-hmm. and i definitely something fishy's going on though uh do you believe it max i don't know this this one tiktok video that i saw from this like 17 <laughs> year old quirky looking girl was like very convincing With, like the blue hair because she, yeah, yeah, I think that one. She was like, isn't it weird? And then she's like, these different graphics are showing up behind her. She's like, why is this thing worth 
$15,000. It's just a stupid metal cabinet. And what's with the name? Did you notice it's the same name as this is Missing Kid in Ohio? Isn't that weird? I'm like, it is weird. <laughs> the problem is the facts are probably made up and doctored. So the, mm. it's, it's interesting the way she's edited it, but the facts she's pulling it from probably aren't true. Yeah. And this that's is, what this people is, never think about. This is a problem with Gen Z and their distrust for mainstream media. None of them went to journalism school and have actually any ethics or standards. They just throw shit on the internet. You know? All right. Calm down, Boomer. <laughs> well, because they make the videos so quick, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. They don't have two sources and everything. It's not vetted by an editor. Uh, Shane, do you think you were born in the wrong time? Do you think you should have been born in the TikTok era? I think you should have been a Gen Zer. You'd have been awesome. Maybe. But that being said, when I go on TikTok, like I've downloaded it once and I was like, eh, let me give this a shot. I was so confused and lost. And I don't know. Like, I guess I wouldn't be if I was in that era because I would just pick it up and have the intuition for it. But geez, I, I'm terrible with technology. Sarah Cooper uh, has to be. Uh, see, this is interesting. This might be the divide. So there's TikTok stars that we have never heard of. But Sarah Cooper, who does, she um, she mimics, she does, she takes the Trump audio and she imitates Trump. Have you guys seen her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very funny. She's become like wildly, wildly famous across every generation, you know, like whatever. Famous actors retweeting her all the time. And she's very, 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 very good at it. Um, and it's kind of crazy how TikTok, literally this technology, this is somebody who pr- didn't have like many followers. She's an actor uh, in like February. Then like, COVID starts, she's sitting around and she just starts, you know, mouthing these Trump bits, you know, doing the, the lip sync thing to it. She's like, it's wild how much she's exploded based on these videos. Hmm. Yo, I think like my parents and people that age love that. It's it's so weird. I got that sent to me by like three different people over the age yeah. of like 65. It's got this weird old person appeal to it as well. Well, I'd like to know what the young, like, you know, a 17 year old TikToker thinks of Sarah Cooper exploding on the app and sort of getting, she's got representation now with like WME or whatever. People want to work with her. She got to be in that Jason Reitman remake of uh, of The Princess Bride. But here's my question about TikTok just before we move on. If Trump or an administration is able to ban something that has become so ingrained, like a TikTok, that means so much to the younger generation, what will the reaction be if you take it away mm. from them? That's what I'm interested to know. Let's say they actually make it happen. What the fuck are the kids going to do at that point? Revolt. Oh, the kids are going to like, yeah, they're going to revolt. They're going to like burn down the like uh, all the technology that is used by other adults. They're going to fuck with so hard. That, that, that's my prediction. Shane, what do you think will happen? They'll probably migrate over to something and just <laughs> fuck with that. You yeah. Know, then they'll take over Instagram because they know that's like where all the old people are now. Yeah. I just wonder philosophically, like when I think of like the people that like the old like people that are bitching about having to wear masks, like like you can't do that in America. You can't take away something that I have. You know, these are my rights. I wonder if that will permeate this younger generation where they'll go, it's our right to use this technology. This is supposed to be, you know, all of those things. I wonder if they'll mm-hmm. get caught up in that and it will be some sort of massive movement just based on principle alone. Maybe. We'll see. I doubt he'll, he'll be able to actually uh, get rid of it. All right, guys, moving on to our next topic. Adrian Wojnarowski, who is probably the uh, the biggest NBA reporter uh, on the beat, uh, he's you know he there's a thing called Woj bombs. If you're not a huge NBA fan and listening to this podcast, he is the follow that you want to follow uh, if you're an NBA fan, just because he has access to everybody. Um, the reason this is sort of interesting is instead of reporting the news, Woj made himself the news uh, because a senator from Missouri, I guess you know he he he'd sent an email, and I got a 
suspicion that this senator and his people and people like that senator send out these sorts of emails all the time to different media people just hoping for someone to bite but essentially he asked in the email uh you know why the nba because they've got these customized jerseys with names on them won't do blue live matter or support the police or whatever it's kind of like a really in the face of like what the movement is meant to the nba um, and then also sort of posited that the NBA was being hypocritical because they won't take on uh, China as a moral issue, but they will take on sort of these domestic issues with racism at home. And Woj, in response to this email from the senator, just said, fuck you, <laughs> uh, period. <laughs> <laughs> and then that senator immediately screen grabbed it. And then they, you know, they went on blast. They wanted to be in the news cycle there. They sort of tried to manufacture their own cancel culture where they could cancel Woj for saying something inappropriate from a work email back. Uh, and, and it worked. So what happened was it entered the news cycle. People were talking about the senator uh, who in a way that no one was talking about him before. The whole right got sort of up in arms and they're like, well, if, you know, if uh, if an honor personality said this to, you know, AOC or somebody on the left, they would lose their job. And the whole thing sort of spiraled control. Also, ESPN has this. So they're very sensitive to the idea that they are a left-leaning organization already or that their honor people tend to be liberals um, because that's what a lot of pe- you know football-watching right-wing people already charge them of. And so Woj biting and saying, fuck you to the senator basically confirmed what everybody thought that ESPN is just this big liberal machine. So Woj apologized immediately, probably with the threat of losing his job or something like that. And you'd think that would be it. He, he apologized sort of definitively and without um, hesitation. And then uh, like 12 hours later, ESPN suspended him, I imagine, without pay. Uh, and now uh, the, the trending topic on Twitter is free Woj. In fact, only a, a couple hours ago, LeBron James wrote free Woj uh, <laughs> on his Twitter and he has the white fist and the black fist punching hands, and it's got over like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of likes. Uh, so this has become quite a cause, uh, guys. What were your thoughts to, when you saw this story, Shane? I'll start with you. I just, I just cringe because I think that's so stupid for him to do that, and at a guy at that level to do that. Because I'm, I'm sending so many emails a day right now, and I know the embarrassment of even when I, I, I word something slightly wrong. Because I really like Alex is an English teacher. I spend a long time crafting my emails and then she will go through it with her her eyes and we'll fix it and talk about it before we hit send. And once I sent uh, recently an email to the wrong person, which had embarrassing information on it about them. And I had to play it off like it wasn't uh, an accident. And, And then so the crafting that went into the next email, which I must say it worked and the person believed that my first email was intentional and not completely accidental. Uh, but I just, I can't believe a guy of uh, Woj living in this day and era would do the fuck you thing. Because we all want to do stuff like that. We, we've we thought about it maybe when we were very young before we knew cancel culture would, would be a thing one day. We've done that. But for him to do it now, that is unconscionable. Almost. Well, like, that was, was the big or- Yeah, that's the biggest <laughs> shock of this whole thing. Is like for a guy who spends his whole day on his cell phone texting people and emailing people and breaking stories to even have that reaction. Like, how many other crazy emails has he sent? If he's been doing this for like twenty five years, and like he he sends this to a senator. Like that is just in that's the sh- most shocking part that he still even has a job that like that he's he presumably yeah. has been doing this for for years and like no one's ever called him out on him. So I thought that was kind of funny. Also, it's just it was like, probably the last email of the day. It was like time for dinner. <laughs> he's like, yes, I could answer and really get him with some clever <laughs> phrasing here. And I know what to do. Or it was like 10 p.m. And, and he was like the, a couple pints deep and just read it and was like, yeah. fuck this guy. 
and and just willy-nilly did it and woke up in the morning and was like, oh, fuck me. I should not have sent that email last night. Or he, could, he probably had a buddy over his shoulder like, oh, exactly. you think I should yeah. do it? Yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah do it. Him What's the worst yeah. that could happen? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I was going to go the other way, though, because normally what you do is you – when you, whatever you're pissed off at like a colleague or at your cell phone provider or whatever, you draft this really mean-spirited asshole email and you're like, I'm going to fucking send it. it. It feels so cathartic writing this thing down. Sleep and then you on show it. your si- – yeah, or you sleep, but you show your significant other, and they go, "No, this is ridiculous. Do not, do not send that." Hey, I think I'm going to send this text. Does this text look okay to you? And then if you're with somebody who's like has has your back, they just go, "No, no, delete that immediately." I'm glad you had the opportunity to write it out. This is is the most unhelpful thing ever, um, which is like really the point of like drafting anything in an email, which actually kind of reminded me of um, the band used to share an email address, like uh, one email address. So all of our band emails in the early days were written from the same email account. And we just sign our name at the bottom. But mm-hmm. um, on our phones, some of us would get notifications for when draft updates were happening. So people, <laughs> so, so people could find like, see what the other person was writing to the band in like every variation. And usually just like a clumsy, stupid email. But sometimes people were had a lot on their mind and wanted to like say a lot of stuff. But then, but you could kind of like monitor what they're doing. Eventually, we're like, hey, who's got the function? And then we we deleted. It. I think that's what actually led to uh, all of us just sending emails from our personal accounts. <laughs> but uh, but can you imagine having having somebody like look over your drafts? It'd be terrible. No, it's, it's kind of what we're talking about when it comes to our like our our history. But but you want that? Who's that the privacy. best emailer in the band? Oh, um, Mike and Nick are really good writers. Actually, they're they're such good writers. I almost like don't like any emails because I'm like ah, I'm not going to win this if it's by if it's via words. So I'll save it for in person, which I think I can charm them. That that that's usually my attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Nick, I actually had a I, I, we were doing a nice socially distanced backyard uh, hang. He's one of my neighbors, and uh, we got he thinks that Leo is an overrated actor. He does not think Leonardo DiCaprio is an elite actor. So that led to uh, as you know, Nick likes a good debate. That led to a good hour on whether or not we consider Leo elite. Uh, so maybe we'll have him on the pod and we wow. can take that up again. I thought it was it was it was, it was a hot take. A hot take. He's yeah. definitely a great actor. That's a crazy take. Well, you can take it up with Nick at band practice. Uh, one more thought on Woj I had uh, was um, I think that Woj probably regretted what he did because he bit on something that this center, like I think he realized he was getting trolled and that they probably troll every honor personality and that Woj is like, you know what? That was so fucking dumb. Damn it. I bit it. I bit on it. And he probably regretted it. That being said, this is going to end up being a big win for Woj. All of the biggest basketball players in the league are going to say, yo, this guy had his at our back. He basically stood up to a U.S. senator. Yeah, Woj is going to get suspended for a week or two without pay. But I think the fact that LeBron James is tweeting free Woj, that's, and these are all his guys. Like he He's texting with these guys, trying to get info. It's like, it's a win with the people that matter to him. And all anyone's going to remember is that Woj told a senator to fuck off. They're not going to remember that he got suspended or that he even apologized. They're just going to remember that he sort of made a stand. Uh, so it's kind of like this interesting like um, thing that I think ultimately will turn out very good for Woj and the people that he cares about. So, time for Shane's surprise. Yeah, man. Uh, I want to talk about uh, goals and uh, reaching them. And if you have any stories revolving around that, because I'm obviously 
a driven person. I go to extreme lengths to reach my goals. And recently, uh, I had bet Alex that by the time our child was born, she would have 10,000 followers on Instagram. And we were uh, like 700 short on the day of the birth. Oof. Still so damn like, impressive. Still damn impressive. But I was like, how am I going to do this? So I, what before the baby pops out, I got to figure out a way to get 700 <laughs> followers in a matter of hours. So I'm like, we'll live stream the birth. I'm like, yeah, nah, that that's, that's not going to get enough traction. Like you got to tell people we're going to uh, monitor it. So we just started doing little clips of uh, her getting induced, of her getting the, um, what's the thing that goes in the spinal cord? Epidural. You, her getting the epidural. Blogs started picking it up. And and then we're getting shared on all these outlets and everybody's talking about it. We ended the day at uh, 2,500. In one day. 10,500? Uh, sorry, 10,500. <laughs> you, you lost 8,000 yeah. based on the, uh, the videos? <laughs> But it's funny, we had two weeks before, we had 8,000. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to make it. But we ended up getting 2,700 in in the last two weeks. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty uh, nuts. And just like when you have drive and like you have focus on a goal, like anything's possible. Yeah. So I was wondering if you guys had anything recently or in your past where you're like, I have to get this, the lengths you went to to get it, if you got it. Or like how you react when you either get it or do not. Oh no, Anything I, I related to I, that. I'm not crazy like that because I I work better. I think if I'm like in a state of bliss and anything, and I think like I'm more productive and I'm a better teammate and I can do better work if I'm just feeling good. But because if it starts to get like super intense. And I'm like, this needs to happen right now. Then I think I crumble. So I think. Really? Oh, yeah. I think slow and steady has been. What about always... knocking? I thought. I thought you'd have like the. Didn't you oh. create knocking at the door and like an insanely. That's true, actually. Oh, yeah. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. So basically, we had this demo for knocking at the door. This commercial opportunity with, with the Jays was uh, kind of available to us and, and Budweiser. And we're like, oh, let's like finish the song and we can submit it. We, we kind of should get around to it anyway. And then they're like, they heard the demo. They're like, oh, this is amazing. Can we just put it out? We're like, oh, okay. It's not done quite yet. Uh, give us a minute. And then like within, you're right, actually. Yeah. Within like three weeks, we like properly recorded the song, made the music video with you and, uh, and put out the song before the commercial came out. So, uh. Yeah, that, that's actually true. I, I do think there's something to be said for a deadline. I do completely agree with that. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think with songs and, and a lot of creativity, I think uh, is, is helped along the way when, when you have to hit a deadline. I agree with that. Erica, what do you yeah. have? Well, that's a good point. Deadlines versus actual real goals, I feel, is a an interesting Well, point. that's what I always do. I always create a kind of deadline to reach my right. goal. And it's, sometimes it's unrealistic, but I act like it is realistic. Yeah, you guys, I'm not going to lie. COVID times has really made me sort of reevaluate my goals in life. And I feel like I'm sort of in a Hmm. phase where I like my like when I was 23, that whole year was sort of weird and like career wise things sort of went maybe astray from where I originally envisioned things and stuff, but not to say that they weren't better than what I originally envisioned. Perhaps they were even better. And so it kind of just made me realize like, oh, what is it exactly that like, you know, drives me 
motivates me? What kind of things do I like feel the most fulfilled that I do? And I'm sort of right now in a phase where I'm sort of reevaluating that. So let's talk in six months. But I think all this new music I'm listening to is also helping me get in a space. Who knows? Maybe in six months from now, I'll be a very profitable lino cutter. And that will be my mm, business. Could Who knows? Happen. So yeah, I'm kind of evaluating. I'm in a weird phase right now, you guys. But if there's any advice, yeah. shoot it my way. I'm sure listeners would love it. <laughs> that, that'll be next next episode. We're going to do a full give Erica advice. Oh, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Perfect timing. Let me tell you. Well, they say your brain doesn't even set until you're 25. Set? Mm. Yeah, like your brain's not fully formed or developed until you're yeah. 25. That would make yeah. sense. What about you, Mikey boy? Um, yeah, I, I would say that I, the, the most driven I've ever been was, I would say like in my teens, late teens, because the one thing that I, 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 it was like my, my dad worked in welding. My uncles worked in like, uh, like, um, camp co here in Hamilton. It was all like assembly line work and sort of like more blue collar work. And when I was a teenager, it was like, I was obsessed with like making skits and being in bands. And I was just like, I was like, no matter what happens, I don't want to be here in this city when I'm like 25 doing the same thing that my parents did or my family did. And that's not a knock on anything like that. It's just, it wasn't what I wanted to do just because I'd, I'd seen it yeah. for my whole life. So I was like, I was very, I just, I knew I was going to get out. I didn't know how I was going to get out, uh, whether that was going to be through school. And then ultimately the VJ search came along and I was, the commercial came on TV and I was sitting with the girlfriend I was with at the time. And I was basically like, I was like, I could do that. And she was like, then do it. And I was like, yeah, I will do it. And I ended up kind of doing it more to prove that I could do it kind of like to her because I was like, she doesn't think I'm going to do this. Like she doesn't like, you don't think I can do this. And I find that I'm at my best when it's personal, when I have to prove it to somebody in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. So, so I know you're very good, Shane, to it. Like you'll set like a goal. You're like, I want 10,000 followers and you'll find that. I'd almost have to have somebody tell me you'll never get 10,000 followers or something. I create a narrative where somebody's saying, you can't do it, Shane. Like I have that yeah. devil Are you me Michael you Jordan? Are you like Michael Jordan? We're just making up stuff. <laughs> yeah. That would kill so, that guy. <laughs> yeah. I just feel, I, yeah. So like ultimately, like I would say that it ebbs and flows. So like, you know, I get the VJ search and then I get this like sort of like dream job for me. And then in a weird way, it's almost like, oh shit, I kind of like- that, that it, it worked it happened and then like my drive dissipates a bit and then something will come along that ignites my drive but i can definitely get to a point where i'm not like like uh, i'm not like i need to do something now it's almost like oh i want to start a band like i if i'm going to do it i want to do it right and then it's like i go crazy on the band we get a record deal and then in some ways i kind of proved it to myself and then i'll sort of like i find i, I dissipate again i find that sometimes it's hard for me once i get to certain milestones to keep my foot on the gas uh and so unless it becomes personal in a weird way so i've i'm constantly navigating my ebbs and flows as far as my drive because there are pockets where i can be the most like driven asshole in the world and then there's like long swaths where i can be like i just want my hat my family to be happy and it's like i just want to sit in the backyard and have beers and talk about basketball and then i find that i lose that 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 drive is mm -hmm. very low in me but then something comes along and it, it triggers again so it's like i have this fire that's ignitable but it's not like i won't just for any reason kind of be like i'm going to take on a project it has to be a project that i really care about in order to invest the time but but you, you know what we're doing here is like everybody can find like uh, a model for who you identify with the most and go, oh, yeah, that's me. So like Shane, you're like Michael Jordan, I'd say yeah. you were like you, you, you drum up these controversies in your head or like these these people that tell you you can't do something. I listened to a podcast uh, this morning, actually, with Usain Bolt, and he was just like, eh, 
you know, I run the the race. You know, my coach tells me not to look around. You know, when I'm finishing at the when I'm like, you know, but <laughs> I'm like, of everybody. Yeah, but I'm like, nah, that's what I do. And then I go party. And people said I partied a little bit too much, but you know, I gotta stay loose. So I think I'm more like the Usain Bolt uh, model, where I'm like, I need to stay loose. I'm an entertainer. I got if I'm smile like I think the photo of him breaking the world record and him looking over to like the right side or whatever with a big old smile on his face was way cooler than if he had put his head down and shaved off another point zero zero three millisecond. Like who cares about that? I want the sick photo. So I'm more in the Usain Bolt camp. Uh, Mike, who would you compare yourself to? Um, good question. I don't know. Uh, I th- I think you get the guy from Hoobas Thanks sometimes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say unfavorably like i don't feel good about this but like sometimes i've related a lot to vince carter in the sense that Mm. people are always like vince had the ability to do all of these things but then ultimately he was just so happy with what he had at times that he he wasn't like kobe or anything like that even though he was arguably like and that's not to say i'm a super talented person but i feel like i can sort of do a little bit of everything pretty well or decently so that it's like i'm just kind of like yeah this is good like i'm happy i have my family whereas like with vince that is an indictment because he should have won a championship so sometimes i relate to that does that make sense oh yeah Mm -hmm. and erica i'd say you're like lena dunham's character on get girls Oh, right. She's not happy with that one. Look at the, the face she's well, making. I'm saying sh- the, the confusion of your mid-20s and not knowing what to do with your career. Isn't that the point of okay, the show? Sure, yeah. I just don't, Is Lena Dunham like well-liked? Do we like her? Is she canceled? Who knows? I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the Lena Dunham vibe I'm is. I'm saying her really character bad. her character on the show yeah, that's a good is, point. is just like, you know, is somewhat like I'm in my 20s. I don't know what to do yeah. with myself. She lived in New York and then moved out of the city. You lived in Toronto and you moved out of the hey, city. I'm just saying there's some similarities I, there. I feel like you guys, not to toot my own horn, but sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like the fourth Heim sister, you know? Like... I feel mm. like their last album was maybe made in like a wallowy time. And I feel like sometimes my best things come from a wallowy time. Mm. You know what I mean? That's good. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're going to post a picture on Instagram of you <laughs> and the Heim sisters as the fourth sister. And that'll be, yeah, Erica is the fourth Heim Her sister. Her contribution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine will be baby coming out vagina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Yeah. Um, Mike, you can be um, Vince Carter, but with your head on Vince Carter's body, dunking. Okay, love it. Okay, all right, sounds good. Game plan. Cue the music. Mm-hmm.